the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and talk910.com. It's the Rob Black Show. Time for some headline news. These are stories that are out there that you could probably hear on any old radio station, but... I tend to find that that's just not quite enough. I tend to find I want a little bit more gist. I want a little bit more um, content behind it or a little bit more depth of the story. So the top story of the day, United and Continental Airlines becoming one. They're getting married. But as Fox News Radio's Jennifer Kuyper explains, the deal still faces numerous hurdles. In order for United and Continental to become the world's largest airline, government regulators still have to approve a merger. There could also be labor issues with the pilots and machinists' unions. Some reaction from passengers at United Chicago Hub. It's a, probably a good move for the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois as far as creating uh, more jobs and revenue. And with the economy and price, you want choices. So really that's what brings you back to that same airline is that customer service and feeling safe. So you don't want them to forget that. The new carrier would fly to 360. 70 destinations in 59 countries. In Chicago, Jennifer Kuyper, Fox News Radio. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Big mergers and acquisitions means you and I have fewer options. So I think it's bad for the consumer. But then again, I think it would be bad for the consumer if one of those airlines were to crash because they continue to lose billions and billions and billions of dollars and can't get their business model together. Now, unfortunately, their business models were crafted in the 1920s and 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And since then, pensions and, you know, uh, union deals have become a lot leaner, a lot leaner. So it gives the competition, the newer competition like the JetBlue or the Southwest, a, a much easier field to operate profitably in. It's a little bit of a damnation game, don't you think? Elsewhere, another good report on the nation's manufacturing sector. This is important. People with manufacturing jobs... Well, they've got jobs, and they spend their money. One, ultimately, economic report that's positive on the economy out today. Fox News Radio's Chris Barnes has the highlights from Washington. A trade group says the manufacturing sector expanded last month at the fastest pace in nearly six years. The Institute for Supply Management saying April was the ninth straight month of growth, and it came at the fastest pace since June of 2004. The Commerce Department says personal incomes rose nominally, while personal spending also rose in March, but personal savings dipped to its lowest level in a year and a half. It also reports an unexpected increase in construction spending, although while public spending surged, private spending was down. In Washington, Chris Barnes, Fox News Radio. Yeah, again, you take this data piece by piece by piece. You never get excited by one piece of data. You want to see data on a year-on-over-year basis. Is this manufacturing number great just because it's up 20% year over year because last year stank so much? Or is this one that would stand on its own in a good economic time? You always look at data in some sort of perspective. Next up, the man hunts on for the man responsible for leaving a car bomb in the heart of New York's Times Square. Fox News Radio's Todd Starnes reports. 
Attorney General Eric Holder says the car bomb attack in Times Square was meant to strike terror across New York City. The person uh, who was behind that act uh, intended to spread terror across uh, New York. Says the investigation is still in the early stages, but they've made some progress. Through the FBI, through our, our partners in uh, the NYPD and with other state and local uh, law enforcement agencies. In Times Square, Todd Starr and Fox News Radio. Okay, the angle here is we're going to probably be hit by terrorism one more time in our lifetime. I think you know that. I think I know that. New York City is planning to deploy more cameras in Times Square because it's such a high-profile target area. When it happens, you're going to have the urge to sell your stocks, which I'm not going to stop you from doing based on how big of a situation it is. Next time there's terrorism on the U.S. soil, I'm going to be more on the side of I want to buy or I want to make sure I've got enough money to buy when things get really out of hand. Sometimes the best buying opportunities happen at the times where you least expect them. When we're talking about a horrific recession, that was the best time to buy in 2008. When we were using great terms, we were using terms like the Great Recession. We were playing on the Great Depression, just calling it the Great Recession. Another great time to buy was 9-11. Now, two weeks, the stock market took it in the, in the nose, took it in the chin, because people were afraid. That's the best time to buy. If you believe in capitalism, now again... I don't know. Maybe it'll be a Jack Bauer type of event, like a nuclear strike on New York. And it's so big that, yeah, you wouldn't want to sell. But in that scenario, I think everyone's going to lose. Everyone's going to lose. So that may be too late to sell in a scenario like that. So terrorism will hit. One way to play that is oil. Have some oil in your portfolio. Because when terrorism does hit, oil is a flight to safety. People feel comfortable knowing that uh, it's a commodity. Now, you can go with gold, but I think gold is a little overrated for that. Next up, it's probably the most talked about missing feature from Apple's iPhone and new iPad. But support for the popular online animation program Flash is being talked about. Fox Radio's Brett Larson's got the details. Apple CEO Steve Jobs took to the web to vent his issues with Adobe's Flash, used for website animation, games, and video playback on hundreds of thousands of websites. The problem? Apple won't allow it on the iPhone or iPad. Adobe says they're doing it to keep users locked in to the App Store. Jobs says it's time to leave old ideas behind. Flash is restrictive, requires too much power for handheld devices, and causes too many computers to crash. Further, there are plenty of free apps for games, and video providers have made their content playback on Apple. Apple's handhelds. Brett Larson, Fox News Radio. And again, the iPad hit 1 million subscriptions today. Um, whether you like them or don't, it's financially the right decision for Apple to make. So as an investor in the company, I'm cool with it. If I think that Apple has the mandated of the world to basically go out there and make the best product that's open for everyone... So that Heidi can use it for free at Hulu. Then glory, glory, hallelujah. I would push for that. But I'm pushing for profits. Now, again, I like the fact that they're keeping everything internal. I do like the quality control on that. But also, even more importantly, it's pushing everyone towards iTunes. In about a year from now, I think you and I will be talking about Apple maybe replacing your cable television. Where you will get for 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 dollars. All the shows that you want, unlimited television. 
in a heartbeat, I would buy a converter for my television to handle it. And in a heartbeat, I would kick Comcast out of my home. If that were the case. I don't know if it's going to be the case. Keep in mind, Apple own, well, they don't own, but Apple's owner, Steve Jobs, chief executive officer, he also is the largest shareholder in Disney, which has ABC and ESPN. I think negotiating with those guys will be pretty easy for him. Now, legally, he's not allowed to say that it'll be pretty easy for him, but I do think it's going to happen down the road. And I see where Apple's trying to become a cable company without coming to your home and putting cable into your house without that cost. They would be a cable company without the cost. They won't have to do truck rolls when your cable goes out. They won't. So they want to get in that media subscription business model. I don't blame them. So it's a business model. I get where they're going with that. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. You can comment on any of these top stories. And again, the top stories, United Continental Merger, talking about manufacturing, Times Square bomb. Do you think terrorism hits the United States again? Yes, no, maybe so. What will the reaction be as an investor? Are you ready? And the iPad, iPhone, flash debate slash does Steve have a, a responsibility to include someone else's product in his product? To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. cars and women are expensive with rob's help you can afford them you're listening to the rob black show on 9 10 a.m more stimulating talk so on friday i did an email segment on my television show at cron the news segment where about buying life insurance for a kid now i find it to be contemptible and i don't much care for it I got an email back from a lady named Autry, whose son had died in a drowning accident. And her family came to the rescue, her church came to the rescue, and a friend came to the rescue. Funeral expenses were fifteen to $22,000. Wow. So she got a little bit mad at me that I said, it never, ever, never makes sense to invest in life insurance for a kid. Unless your kid... You think it's going to be the next Home Alone 5 movie. Very few times do you need, quote unquote, a large chunk of money to cover their missed income. In her case, her kid drowned. That's horrific and that's sad. And I couldn't imagine that kind of loss. But the reality is, is most kids don't drown. Most kids make it to 18. Most kids make it to 70. If you're going to buy life insurance on a kid, I don't ever believe in whole life or variable life. Do term if you really, really want to, Autry. And if that's the advice you want to give people, get $20,000 to cover the burial expenses in term. I understand that you lose work. I understand that you grieve. I understand the pain involved. But the reality is the mathematics just don't add up. They never, ever do, and they never, ever will. Pulled a quote from someone else. 
there's a guy who's the chairman of one of the largest insurance companies in the world called Alliance Life. And he's worked in the industry for 40 years. And he thinks selling life insurance for children is contemptible as tobacco companies advertising cigarettes to children. He said it's always been an inappropriate waste. There's no reason for it unless the kid's going to be in Home Loan 5. He feels there are better ways to save money for college. The cost of the funeral isn't that onerous. And the chance of a child becoming uninsurable as an adult is extremely small. Most people are insurable until about 80 years old nowadays. So the number of people in their 20s who are uninsurable is infinitely small. If your family, Autry, has a history of kids that die, then yeah, it does make some sense. But very, very few. There's a Gerber life plan that I find just horrific. Because they use it as, like, this is a great tool for saving for college. And if your kid does die, you'll get a big payday. There's better ways of insuring for college, or not insuring, but better ways of saving for college. So I just, the head of a big insurance company said that if parents want to do something for college, fine, but it's much more appropriate to put that into a savings vehicle with investments because the odds of them living are very, very good. So, I'm sorry, Autry, for your loss. I couldn't imagine a kid drowning. But mathematically, I'm more right than you. And I'm sorry about that. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Next up, billionaire Warren Buffet. He said today that the economy's begun to show real strength over the last couple of months. And consumers who can afford to... They're spending more. And when Warren Buffett speaks, I listen. I'm no dummy. You don't become one of the richest men in America, one of the richest men in the world by being a dummy. I think one of my strengths is that at times I will shut up and I will listen. Buffett appeared on CNBC today after the weekend's Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. 37,000 people attended his annual meeting this weekend where he and his partner Charlie Munger answered questions. And he's so cute. For an old person, he's so cute. He has his, you know, can of Coca-Cola. You know, he's, he's very, I'm going to do it my way. And the companies that I invest in, I'm going to show you them right here in front of me. Berkshire CEO said he's seen the most strength in his company's businesses that supply other companies. So he, he owns some companies like Mtech Electronics and iCar Tool. And these companies are, are seeing strength. He says he owns so many companies in the United States that he has some sort of real ability to tell you how the economy is doing. He's not just seeing it, like in the newspaper headlines. He's not just hearing about it on CNBC. He's got the companies that are picking up the orders. He says the best jobs program in the world is demand, and demand is coming back. Berkshire's retail business, like Fruit of Loom and the Pampered Chef, they haven't picked up as much as the manufacturing ones have. Now, Buffett said luxury goods sales have improved some. Um, Consumers, the ones that can handle it, they like to spend and they're out there spending. Warren Buffett also reiterated comments he made over the weekend in support of Goldman Sachs. Remember, he got into Goldman Sachs at an incredibly cheap deal. And when he did, I told you to buy. And if you had listened to me, you had almost a triple. Because what's good for Buffett's good for you. More often than not, he's more right than wrong. 
He says he still feels good about the investment bank. Berkshire invested $5 billion in two years ago. He doesn't see any evidence of fraud in the government's lawsuit against Goldman. And the government has charged that Goldman misled investors about a deal involving complex mortgage-related investments that later plunged in value because they had failed to disclose important information. Now, Buffett said he studied the charges against the investment bank and has no problem with the transaction. The guy's got more money than God. His opinion at this point in time, he could admit when he's wrong. He doesn't have to in this case. He said he's done business with Goldman regularly over the past 44 years, and he has confidence in their CEO and the company. I'd rather have him running the company, he said, than anyone else in the world. After Buffett's comments, Goldman Sachs shares surged about 1.6%, hitting about 147. Last week, I said right around 140, it looks cheap. You may not be able to get it to 140. Now, Goldman Sachs is about 21% cheaper than when the SEC filed their lawsuit on the company on April 16th. The market's made up of buyers and sellers. And when the SEC said they're going after Goldman Sachs, the stock dropped. A company will fall in value. Apple will fall in value. It could be anywhere between 5% to 40%. Same thing with Goldman. It could be anywhere between 5% and 40%. If it's one of those super companies like a Coinstar that goes up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of percents, it could fall 60%. You have to know that. And you have to understand as an investor, when do you see value? I don't like buying stocks at an all-time high. I don't like I don't like it. It bugs me because then everyone else who's come upon this idea has already made money in, except for me. So I'm basically taking it higher for someone else to sell their shares down the road. I don't like that. I like to buy during market corrections. I like to buy during bad times. I don't like paying full price. Don't like it. So if a stock, if it, let's see, it was two different companies, Goldman Sachs, big old company that makes billions of dollars. I would expect for them to fall 10%, I'm happy. 20%, I'm thrilled. 30%, I'm mortgaging my house to buy that company. Now, a company like Broadcom, tech company, and I'm just throwing them out there for randomness. 10% is nothing but a thing. 20%, if I'm aggressive, that's a good enough pullback for me. I may want a 30 to 40% pullback in from its all-time high for, or from its recent high for me to say I'm comfortable with that. It's a different company. Pullbacks, pullbacks aren't a bad thing to me. Pullbacks are a good thing. Stocks coming off their all-time high, not a bad thing for me. That's a good thing. I'm a buyer right now. I'm an accumulator of assets right now. I'm not a seller. So when I see that, I go, okay, I get it. Now, last week I had a call that stumped me. Why did it stump me? Because first and foremost, it was from a woman, and women make me nervous in a good way. But she had asked about a, a real estate company that does business in Shanghai, and it's like 23 cents. I'm like, I don't know. And I did a little research on it, and I saw that the owner of the company is like the largest real estate magnet in China. It's like the Donald Trump of China. And uh, I found a headline that came across yesterday that I wanted to grab and snag and, and get back to her on. Hopefully, she's still listening. And basically, it was talking about last week and how the Shanghai Stock Market Exchange dropped about 7.7% in the month of April. And the reason for it was government curbs on real estate. So she had best invested in a company tied towards real estate development in China. And in the month of April, China said, we're going to make it tougher for companies and tougher for individuals. We're going to put more government regulation in aimed at curbing property speculation. And that caused significant weakness in economic growth. Big driver of, the, of, of growth in China right now is, is real estate development. 
there's now more beefed up residency requirements for home purchases. They raised minimum down payments on second homes by 25%. Property developers whose shares have sometimes taken the biggest losses, they're being scrutinized more and more as they have to report their capital funding to authorities in China now. So I got back to that story, and that's one thing I promise you is if I don't know an answer, I'll get back to it. I will do everything I can to get back to the stories that you care about. To get your calls on there, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. You can always drop me an email, the old reliable, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Coming up, Nokia once killed Motorola in the cell phone world. Apple, research in motions, BlackBerry, Motorola Droid, seems to be killing Nokia in the smartphone world. The money's in the smartphone world. It's not in the hand handset. It's not in the cheap ones. It's in the expensive ones. Last week, I talked about Nokia not really getting it. This week, I'll update my thesis. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Money buy happiness. Well, do big houses, nice cars, and hot women make you happy? Then, yes, money definitely buys happiness. The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Hey, it's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's get to a quick call here. Let's go to Eugene, Oakland. Hi, Rob. Hi. I had a question about, uh, I have a wedding coming up, and I was wondering, uh, wedding gifts in terms of money that's given to you, how is that taxed uh, since it's a, it's a lot of little contributions rather than you know one big sum? Um, not unless someone exceeds the twelve to $13,000 in gift taxes, so... I don't think you're going to be in that scenario. No, I don't have any rich uncles or anything like that. That's that's excellent. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for the call. And keep in mind, Eugene, you're allowed to gift in funny ways. I got an email from a lady who was worth a couple million. And um, now when you're 65, 70 years old and you got a couple million, not yet, but soon you want to start giving it away. Let's say I'm, I'm married to my producer, Heidi. My our my rich grandmother can give her a big chunk of money and me a big chunk of money. And let's say we have little kids, give little junior a chunk of money and give little sweet uh, daughter a chunk of money each and every year. So you can give away a lot of money by gifting it to different people inside of a family. So I doubt you're in that scenario of uh, exceeding IRS limits on gifts that ultimately would need to be reported and ultimately need to be taxed. Let's take a quick look at an email. Dennis sends an email. He says, how would the markets be affected? The bomb in Times Square was domestic from right-wingers. Um, that's speculation on my part. I think we've got the Timothy McVeigh, Oklahoma City scenario to look at in history, where if you can go back and show me that on a stock market chart, I'd give you a dollar. 
without knowing what month it took place in. I'd give you a, a, $2. Um, so domestic terrorism, and we've had our issues of domestic embarrassments, whether it be religious leaders that burn everyone to death or religious leaders that have everyone drink Kool-Aid and die. I don't, I'm not thinking it would be nearly as big as if it was international. And again, it depends on how many lives. It depends on if we thought this was going to be a regular scenario. Right after 9-11, we thought that it wasn't going to be safe to go to a, a sporting event. We thought it wasn't going to be safe to go to shopping malls. I used to live on the East Coast, and it's interesting to note, I, I started a CNET show, Stock Talk, on 9-10-2001. That's when they pulled me from my national radio show and uh, started me just locally in, in the Bay Area. Now, I had been on previous to that, but that was when I was doing my, my kickoff launch. And one of the first calls was from a woman who ultimately lets me intern her daughter, Lisa. This is one of those coolest stories of my life. Like, I've been doing this for 15 years. So I've now seen Lisa go from 8 years old to, like, a hot 25-year-old. Um, and the mom was with me all the time. And if mom's listening to me right now, I so apologize for it. But your daughter's hot. Um, she, was, she was upset. Lisa's mom called it and was like... Uh, I, I'm afraid to go to the malls. What should I do? And I said, the best thing he could do is go to the malls. That's how you beat terrorism is you don't get terrorized by it. So I think it would depend. I mean, 9-11, the stock market crashed shortly thereafter in large part because we really thought that there was going to be, you know, package bombers at malls. We really thought that this was the, the first airlines that they're going to get. They're going to figure out how to get more or they were going to do different things in different ways. You know, another one was the previous bombing of the World Trade Center that failed to bring the bomb, uh, the, the, the truck that was in the basement failed to bring it down. So, I don't know. I don't think I have a real answer for you. And I think anything that I'm saying is would largely have to be out of the side of my mouth. Um, someone calls in and says, uh, or emails in, CT emails in and says, what's happening with the visa? I see that it's dropped below 90 Oh, good God. People are such spoiled babies and brats in the world. They expect their stock to be at all-time highs all the time. Uh, well, I, I think Visa's going to zero. Clearly, they, they're not going to be in business anymore. So this is the beginning of the end. In the last year, no, of course not. In the last year since I've been recommending it on this station, the stock's gone from 65 to 97. Now it's under 90. I like pullbacks. It's pulled back 15%. If it pulls back another 5 to 10%, I'm in. I'm buying more. I can accumulate this stock till the day I die. Last week, they bought a company that's tied towards 25% of all online transactions online. I will say this. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, you used to go to the bank to get cash. That may stop in my lifetime. It may take another 20 to 40 years for it to actually stop, but I think it stops. Um, the local bar that I like to go to, I would love it if the owner of that company said, you know, Rob, if you want to pay me in PayPal, I'll give you a 3% discount because right now I'm throwing out 3% to Visa. If you want to pay me in any alternative form, let's do it. How about the guy who's selling roses? Roses for your pretty lady. Doesn't that suck being a guy out on a date in your 20s? You're at a nightclub or you're at a bar and the roses person saunters on in. Roses for the pretty lady. Like you almost want to go, I don't really think she's that pretty. She's my sister. You almost want to say something funny because it puts you in that that awkward, awkward scenario to say the least. 
I think cell phones. The, oh, wait, why did I bring up the residence for the pretty lady? Oh, I think he's going to start taking payments where I go, hey, dude, I got no cash. He goes, oh, you could just cell phone it to me. I'm like, oh, damn, you got me. I think cell phones are going to become a big method for transaction cash in our lifetime. If you have a credit card, and most people do, there's going to be a solution. A number of big and small companies, including PayPal, Intuit's Verifone, Square, they're doing more and more innovative ways of paying ultimately through the cell phone. Now, a lot of the companies have developed small credit card scanners. There's a USB scanner that can plug into an iPhone. This is pretty cool. Or it can plug into any phone, really. It's a USB scanner, so it's, it's a little USB port. You know what those look like, right? And then on top of it, it's maybe one inch of plastic. It's a swiper, a one-inch swiper. And you can actually swipe the card on your phone, and you're done. So I could take money from Heidi today when we go to lunch, or if I'm selling roses to the pretty ladies, I could do it that way. I could do the transaction and save a lot of money. So a lot of software engineers are really trying to figure this out. There's a program called Bump where you can bump your iPhones together. And let's say the bill is 120 bucks, split it 60 bucks each. So there's, there's some new ideas out there. Now, again, this ties back to Visa. I'm not panicked that Visa's not at a high. It's up 50% in the last year. Cool your jets, people. Wear a diaper. Stop peeing yourself. That's one thing I do look forward to one day when I am, you know, 70 years old is wearing a diaper. A lot of people look at that day and age as not a good thing. I look at it as, whoa, you could sit and watch a whole hockey game without getting up once to go to the lines in the restroom. Sounds pretty good to me. Now, when debit cards were introduced in the early 90s, that was the beginning of the end of paper checks and cash. I write three to four checks a month most. I hate writing checks. I hate it, hate it, hate it. The use of cash peaked out in the mid-1990s. So do I think Visa's on to something? Do I think they're in the right place at the right time? They still are dominant at transactions. Now, again, cutting out the middleman and Visa is part of the middleman is going to become more and more popular, faster, and cheaper every year for the next few years. So we're going to keep an eye on Visa. I'm not ready to call the death of them. In fact, by them picking up CyberSource, I think they're playing the game smart. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Again, last week I talked about Nokia and how they really missed the last 10 years of the cell phone market. Coming up, I'm going to update my thoughts on Nokia because, hey, someone asked me to and I do what I'm told. 800-345-5639 is Rob Lecture, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. is the relentless pursuit of financial perfection. Get in on it. Keep listening to The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. It's The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. For instance, shorting companies like GM and Ford, probably not as easy as it used to be. So you got to be very, very careful that some of the things that used to happen don't happen anymore. What's weird is I like shorts. I'm not talking about jean shorts or jorts as they're known. I'm talking about shorts when you bet against a company because you sell it and you want to buy it later. So you sell high and buy low. Yeah, I know. Weird that you can do that on Wall Street, right? Some people want to accumulate assets. Some people want to accumulate assets that they're going to sell at a lower price. It's almost nonsensical to the average person out there, but it's true. You can do it. 
So shorting these companies, not as fashionable as it used to be. Thus, it's tough to make money on the longer side because when you short something, you sell it first, you buy it later. There's a market of people who are going to buy it later. Sometimes when a company gets overly shorted, I really like that because that can create what's called a short squeeze. And I think a lot of people sometimes don't realize that in the 1990s, we bought pet rocks. The 1990s, 1980s, maybe even 1970s, 1970s. Holy mackerel. I need to update myself with the times. I'm out out of focus, out of time. So in America, we bought pet rocks. Now, again, I loved pop rocks. Do you remember pop rocks? Loved those things. It was basically instant diabetes. So, which I'm a big fan of. But um, we bought stuff that made no sense in the 70s. We bought Invisible Dogs, which was basically a dog collar with a lot of starch on it. So it didn't hit the ground. Gravity didn't really take over because it was starched. People would walk around with invisible dogs. Like, we weren't the smartest of nations. And to this day, we are the offspring of those people. And thus, I'm not a big fan of shorting a stock because sometimes you don't understand. You could be right. Let's say we find a company that's got the cure for brain cancer. Or no, no. They've got the cure for heart disease, but it causes brain cancer. And we could short the hell out of it. We know it's going to zero. (laughs) Ha ha. It's going all the way down. But then someone says, you know what? I heard that, the, you know, they also got the cure for brain cancer. It's Pop Rocks. So the stock will go higher on a rumor. Someone will buy it. Even though we know it's the worst and most evil company in the world, someone will step up and buy it. So you got to be very careful shorting companies. Okay, let's talk a little Nokia. Nokia is one of those companies that if you go back on, they really dominated the phone market. And to this day... They still dominate the phone market. Low-cost phones. If you go to India or you go to China, you look left, you look right, you look forward, you look backwards, and someone's going to be on Nokia phone. Two years ago, Apple came out with the iPhone three years ago, and really they started becoming, we're going to start taking your market share kind of player. Research and motions, Blackberries, we're going after your market share, Nokia. Now, before Nokia was dominant in cell phones, Motorola was. If you go back and watch an X-Files from the 1980s with David Duchovny, David Duchovny, why don't you love me? Um, What you're going to see is that he had basically a size 14 shoebox for a phone. And it was a Motorola phone, more than likely. And I only bring that up because it's one of those TV shows that you'll still see. And you'll go, oh my God, that's a big phone. And Motorola... They didn't really get the switch to digital. They stayed in the analog world too long. And if you go back to CDs back in the 1980s, it's one of the big things was digital audio versus analog audio of records. And that was a big selling point, probably a big negative, because the purist would say that the, the, the turntable had a better, pure, you know, authentic sound of the recording versus the digitalization of it. And Nokia recently opened a store on London's Regent Street. They're showcasing high-tech gadgets. This is one of the reasons I truly believe Best Buy gets, not Best Buy, but Radio Shack gets taken over. I was in Best Buy this week and I had to buy a razor. I'm a big fan of the electric razor. Not a big fan of shaving. Although women find it sexy when I shave, yes, and I do it from time to time out in public. 
typically on a Friday night in a crowded bar, I'll just pull out the shaving cream and the razor and go right at it because women find that sexy. But actually, I tend to prefer the electric razor. In large part, eh, I just don't like don't like following around a razor blade everywhere, if you know what I'm saying. So anyway, I think Radio Shack gets taken over because I was in Best Buy. And did you know Best Buy's got an appliances where you can get vacuum cleaners and you can get electric razors and you can get washing machines? I counted three people in the appliances area. And it's a good 15% of the store. The GPS, for God's sake, the GTBS division had more people. The TomToms, the Garmin devices had more people in them. And everyone knows that your cell phone now can do it for you, no problem. I was a little bit surprised to see that. Now, I think that's why... That's why I think Radio Shack has to get acquired. Because the gadgets we want don't need to go into a superstore. They can go into a much smaller store. Now, the phones and Nokia logos, you know, they're still out there. Nokia once was the BMW. They were the BMW of mobile phones. These days, they're kind of like the Ford. A lot more reliable, but not expensive in any way, shape, or form. In their recent earnings, Nokia said that their operating margins for the handset unit is going to be 11 to 13%, down from 20% just a decade ago. If you take a look at Apple, you're talking about 35 and higher. Now, they could drop as low as 9% of margins. The average price of a smartphone has fallen by 18% in the past six months to $206. Discounts have taken a toll on profits, which were $467 million dollars. For the first quarter. Now, Nokia's making money. This is nothing to sneeze at and go, achoo! Well, you're not sneezing at that. That's not too bad. But a year earlier, it was triple that. And while Apple's doubling their revenues, their earnings almost year over year, Nokia's settling for a third of what they used to make. Now, the CEO of Nokia is a guy named Oli. Never trust anyone named Oli. But his name's Oli Kalazuvo. I can't quite say it right. He intends to fight back with more intuitive, more fun, and more faster phones. I know you're saying that's not a word, Rob. Trust me, it is. Look it up. The problem right now is Nokia's attempts at touchscreen phones have been underwhelming. So Apple, Google, and Research in Motion on some levels have dominated touchscreen phones. So there's a new one called the N8, the N8, which is a touchscreen phone. It's got the new Symbian operating system. It's going to be shipped this fall, which is a bit of a problem. It's not there today. And Apple's got that iTunes store where, let's say you go download and you pay for the new Train album. On your next iPhone, you could get that same download and that same album. And the one after that, and the one after that, and the one after that. So people who are using the iTunes store right now, they're not really committing to buying future iProducts, whether it be an iPad, an iPod, or an iPhone. But there's incentive for them, too. So if these new smartphones don't wow come this this November, i.e. the holiday shopping system, system uh, time of the year, it's going to be catastrophic. They had the N97, which was a disaster. Now they have the N8. Ultimately, Nokia has got to, at some point in time, start competing in the smartphone market because they continue to lose. And the money's in the smartphone market, not in the what the typical poor person is using in India. The phone that you get free doesn't make a lot of money for Nokia. 
Now, again, they get subsidized by the phone suppliers, of course. But even if Nokia comes out with some devices in the second half of the year, they got to be pretty darn revolutionary. Because at this point in time, chomp, 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 chomp. It's like Pac-Man. Apple keeps eating up market share, and they're leaving nothing. They're leaving nothing behind except for disaster and turmoil for companies like Nokia. To get your calls in there, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. What's interesting to note on in the world of investing, the small investor tends to jump in when things are good. The small investor tends to not jump in when things are bad. And you got to think differently. We continue to make mistakes time and time again. The 401k. Workers' average 401k balances rose significantly in 2009, and that made up for much of the 2008 steep losses. But retirement savers are still making the same old mistake. There was a new survey that was released, and this is, this, I mean, this hits every one of our listeners, unless you're retired, which is a lot of you because of this time slot. For the record, I want the three to seven time slot. I know someone else has it, and it's not cool to politically uh, campaign for their jobs, but... I do want it. I want it because I got those kind of cojones. Um, Three million employees at 120 large companies were surveyed, and the median 401k rate of return was 24% in the year 2009 compared to negative 28% in 2008. The average balance rose from $57,000 in 2008 to $71,000 in 2009. That's 11% lower than the average balance at the end of 2007 when the market crashed. Why? Because when the markets were down, people panicked and they stopped putting money in. People are stupid. We bought pet rocks in the 70s. What people have got to grasp is for every dollar that you put in the 401k, you've already saved 40%. You've made 40% on it because you're not paying any state, federal, or FICA taxes. Period. So every dollar that you're saving in your name for your retirement, you're already up huge on. Grows tax deferred. Now, later in life, it's going to come out at a tax rate that's lower. I don't plan to retire in the state of California. I'll probably retire in Nevada, in Reno. Not in Reno, in Tahoe. Oh boy, there's a big difference there, right? Holy mackerel, I probably just caused a couple of heart attacks in the the world of blacks. Um, Anyway, you would have made more money investing when it's down than when it's up. Employees are still, you know, letting stock allocations rise and fall with the market rather than making a considered judgment about proper allocations, given their age, their assets, their risk tolerance. Look, I'm 20 years plus from retirement minimum. So I want a down market. Bring it all the way down. Like, for instance, I used to say the man who made me the most money was not Osama bin Laden, but the guy who headed up Iraq. Oh, good. Saddam Hussein. When first George Bush, when first Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait, Stock market crashes. George Bush pushes into Iraq and he kind of gets him back a little bit. Says, bad Sodom, bad Sodom. Flash forward eight years and Saddam Hussein or George Bush Jr. goes after Saddam Hussein again. Stock market crashes, huge buying opportunity. Stocks roar after that. What's unfortunate is when he got captured, he really was captured. I was kind of hoping that he would escape. I'd kind of hoping that George Bush Jr. Jr., would have a chance to come into power in eight years and invade Iraq yet again. But nope, wasn't meant to be. So the smart investors 
invest in bad times. They invest in weak markets. You can't turtle up. You can't. 800-345-5639. You can always email me at rob at robblack.com. I love you people. Rob at robblack.com. My Facebook page is group. Hit group and search for I Hate Rob Black. Talk to you tomorrow on The Rob Black Show. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? It's always taste, taste, taste. You're happy when I'm on. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.